Well, hello, New Life. Good to see you all. Amen. So I'm Sean. I'm one of the pastors here. If you don't know, uh, our, our senior leader's on sabbatical, trying to figure out what to do with this life when you aren't having to get ready for a message every single Sunday. And so to Dwayne, who's watching, <laughs> it's good to have you all. It really is good to have you. I, I, I'm, I'm curious, like, I, I'm, I'm going to start this message out. I, I kind of want to get a feel for who's in the room, right? So don't feel bad. I'm not, like, I'm not setting you up or anything, but I, I do want to like, get a feel for who's in the room. And so if... if You've been a follower of Jesus like for less than six months. Raise your hand. Okay. What about, cool, 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 cool. Okay. What about, uh, if you already raised your hand one time, you don't need to raise again. What about uh, uh, two years or less? Just hold your hand up. Two years or less. Okay. Two years. Okay. Okay. Cool. Really? Whoo, man. So. You should have seen her. <laughs> she was out there praying for people. They were getting healed the other day. I'm like, that's awesome. How about for, for five years or less? Okay. Now, if you've been in this thing for over five years, raise your hand. Okay. Okay. That helps me out. So uh, uh, last week, uh, Dathan was up here preaching, wasn't it? And so I, I thought that was great. He did, he did awesome. And so I'm actually going to launch off of what Dathan was talking about. When, he, when, he, when he, uh, he shared with us what he was saying, God was already starting to talk to me. I go, oh, my God, that, that fits right in with what you're talking to me about. You know, so he was talking about, like, here I am, like, saying, God, here I am, right? And so the title of my message is, now what? <laughs> And, and, and so, uh, let me tell you up front, right, this is weighing very heavy on me, okay? And so, I'm, I'm like, I'm very light and cheery right now. It's going to get deep, okay? And so, if you're new, right, relax, okay, because <laughs> it's going to get deep. There's a lot of weight on this. And so I, I'm, I'm going to be talking to, like, everybody here in here that raised your hand, I'm going to be talking to you in different ways. And I'm, okay, let me, let me, this is my notes. Two of those are scriptures, just so I know which ones to call out, so they know what I'm talking about. And the, on the overhead. We're at an interesting time here at New Life. God is doing something in this house. For those that have been here for a while, right, God has spoken to this house about where we're going, that, that, that he's designed us for very special things. We have not seen those the way we're designed to see them yet. Part of the Christian walk is the struggle of not seeing what the Bible talks about the way we think we're designed to see it, the way God talks to us about it, the way the prophetic works and calls it out of us, we struggle with actually seeing it. And he's been talking to me about that. 
There is so much he's given us. Like, I love, I, I love the way you, you did it, like 12 years old. Yeah! Right? That is so true. Unfortunately, the enemy is really good at using life to beat up 12-year-olds. To beat out of them hope, excitement, expectation. The ability to be absolutely amazing as an adult. You know why? Because that's what the devil does. The, Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. That's why he came. He's in you. When you've been filled with the Spirit of God, he's in you. And so, like, you, you, you're like, wherever you're at, see, if you rose, rose your hand up, right, there's... Dathan was talking to you last week. He wasn't talking to just new believers. Dathan's been walking his thing his entire life. But there's this place that's like, okay, God, you know, there's more. I'm here. I'm here. I'm tired of, like, I'm tired of, of not walking with you. I'm, I'm tired of walking in the wrong direction. I'm tired of not being connected to you, right? And so if you just got into this thing today, you know what that feels like. It's like, oh, God. Man, when I felt Jesus touch me for the first time, uh, this is amazing. It's something so different than what I've experienced. Just to feel him love on me. You're just, that's amazing. There's something like crazy different about that than what you've experienced. Or if you've been walking in this 20 years and you haven't actually gotten to where you're designed to be. There's a problem we have in American culture today. And I'm going to use this because it's exactly what's going on inside the church too. In American culture today, we have taken out the warrior spirit. You see this in our men or lack of it in our men. The kids that are growing up today, they have no permission to be masculine. It's eating our lunch. There's a saying that tough men, strong men, bring good times. Good times build weak men. Weak men bring tough times. Every major culture that has risen up has gone through what we're going through right now in the American culture, in the Western world. There's something about it that when things are going well, the warriors don't arise. And it is better to have a warrior in a garden than to have a gardener in a war. And we are in war, and we don't even know it. 
the enemy hasn't stopped doing what he's doing. He just is better at hiding it. I want to apologize. I want to apologize to you. I want to apologize to the babies, the ones that are just being born. I want to apologize to the ones that have been here for six months that are trying to walk this thing. I want to apologize to the ones that have been here more than five years. Everybody, the church doesn't know what the problem is. We don't know because we're stuck inside the problem. Because what's next is I have to follow Jesus. When you were first, when he, it's like you, we make a decision, like, and we, we talk about, hey, well, you want to choose Jesus? You, know, you want him to be your Lord and Savior, right? And we respond to that. And like, it feels like we chose him, right? But not really. He actually chose us, and we respond to him, right? And we're like, oh, yes, I want to choose you, God, right? But it's because he called us. And so we're responding to that calling. So we're called. You know what he, what he says when we're called? Follow me. Follow me. Just like Jesus and the apostles. Follow me. You know he, how many people he said that to? He didn't say it to 12 people. He said it to a whole lot more. The 12 were just left over after everybody else left. Because he turned to them and he's like, are you going to go too? He's like, they're like, well, where do we go? Nobody, nobody else has words of life. I have no idea where we're going to go because you got it. You're it. I don't know. There's no place better. And he, he asks us to follow him. And in the following, you know what he's doing? He's getting ready to send you. He's going to send you. He's going to send you. You're designed to be sent. You're being equipped to be sent. This is the call of the apostolic. See, it's just not doctrine that, hey, there's, there's certain things the apostles believe that are doctrinal that we need to, like, hang on to that. That's important stuff. But it's also culture. There's an apostolic culture that says you're sent. We're being called to be sent. We're being equipped to be sent. That's the apostolic culture. That's what the apostle brings to this thing. But it's like we struggle with that. So let me give you an analogy. How many people ride trains every day? No, there's not a hand in the place. Why? Because in our life, a car works a whole lot better. If I go and get on the Amtrak station, I've got to go to Austin. I've got to go to Dallas. I've got to go to Houston, right? But if I want to just go down the street and do what I want to do, I've got to take a car. Okay, Jesus doesn't have cars. Jesus has trains. When he says, follow me, he's giving you a ticket. He says, follow me. I want you to get on this train with me. You know what we tell Jesus? I know you've never done this because I do it 
way too often, right? And the conviction that I feel around this is because he's convicting me and he's hammering me on this. I'm like, Jesus, I don't feel like the train. I don't know if I want to go there. I want to go over here. Come with me in my car. And this is what Jesus does. Jesus is like, okay, I love you. I'll be with you. You want to take a car ride? I love you. I'll be with you. And we're like, cool. We're good to go. We're awesome. I'm approved of God. Do you realize I just told Jesus no? We make God a co-pilot. Just let that sink in for a second. And we got a culture of that. We've, we've all agreed. That's awesome. We're Christians. This is how we do it. We get to make God our co-pilot. Ah, da, 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 da. And he even talks to us, and he loves on us, and he shows us favor. It's called grace, right? He shows us favor all the time. And we're like, we're awesome. We're the church. And Jesus is like, would you get on the train, please? The reason why you're not going where you really need to go is because you're not on a train. Your car don't get you there. You know when you get on a train? Have you ever, ever gone across America? You'll be driving places like in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden you'll see a train track. Like, like There's no road out there, and there's a train track going off into the nowhereness. Right? You will see things on trains you will never see in a car. You know what happens on a train? You don't get to control nothing. You are a passenger. You get to relax. You get to walk out the win- look out the window. You experience the train ride. That's it. That's it. As long as you stay on the train, you experience the train ride. In the train ride is the different way of thinking. In the train ride is seeing things the way God sees them. On the train ride is identity. On the train ride is power. On the train ride is life. On the train ride is everything that you're looking for, and you're going, God, how come I'm not getting this? He's like, it's on the train. If you'll get on the train, you're going to get it. But we're like, no, I don't feel like it today. I'm not really feeling that, God. I don't feel like driving a train. He's like, okay. It's an interesting thing that we do as human beings. As humans, you ever been part of a group of people that they're all friends, you all know each other? If you've ever been to like uh, military, right? This happens in the military. I think they do it on purpose, right? They put you all together, right? And you're doing everything together. You get a relationship and you're, you know, you're climbing things and shooting things and, you know, whatever you do, you know, flying things, you know. You do stuff together and you build up camaraderie. And then one of you now is the leader. You know, the hardest thing to lead is your friends. It really is hard to lead friends. They don't want to be led. My friend, why would I follow you? I know you. <laughs> and, and, and see, we come from a time when, when I was growing up, we understood 
authority differently. I come, I am like, depending on who you talk to, I'm like the last year of the Gen Xers or the first year or last year of the, uh, of the uh, uh, baby boomers or the first year of the Gen Xers, depending on who like figures all that stuff out, right? So I, I, I'm really familiar with the baby boomers, right? And there was an understanding of authority. There was an honor to authority that somehow the Gen Xers just gave away. We don't need that. And we are suffering from it. We like, we've gone so far off the other end. Now the kids that came after the Gen Xers, whatever they are, which ones are they? Millennials, right? Millennials, like everybody's my friend. My dad's my friend. My brother's my friend. I, the doctor's my friend. The, you know, whoever, they're all my friends. We're all, we're all good together. And we don't like honor the person that has authority that's resting on them. Like, I, I love Dwayne, right? I love Dwayne. Dwayne's my friend. He treats me like a friend. You know, the entire time I've been here, and I've been here a long time, he's never demanded anything from me. He's never pulled out the pastor card and said, you're going to submit to this. Not once. And when me and him were button heads, I know he's like, holy John, God, this guy you gave me, I can't believe you gave me this guy. Right? I'm just wrestle with him, right? I go and I talk to God. God's like, I don't care about your opinion, Sean. I put him in that place. You need to follow him because I said so. You need to honor him because of what I put on him. Yes, sir. And it wasn't like, oh, Sean, you should really follow him. It was, you need to get your act together now and stop this. Stop acting like a child. See, this is where we fail to bring up men. Okay. Now, in the room, you are all sons. I'm not going to use daughters because there's a different connotation with it. Right? You're all sons of God. Right? As when you raise up a prince in the castle, you're supposed to teach them a lot of things. You're supposed to teach them how to honor authority, how to war, right? How to make peace, how to be diplomatic, how to destroy your enemy, right? You're supposed to learn all of that. We didn't do that, though. We're all friends. We're all good to go. You're my friend. You're my friend. You're my friend. And it's, it's not a bad thing. It's just not a healthy thing. And, the, and what comes out of it is the generation that's coming behind those guys are seriously jacked up. What do you identify with today? Today, I think I'm going to be a dog. Okay, you're a dog. I'm going to affirm you as a dog. Yeah, like, you know, you want to be a cat? Okay, you be a cat. You want to be a llama? You be a llama. You know, and it's like something's wrong with that. You don't tell that to a five-year-old, a six-year-old. They, they want to be a fireman. Then the next day they want to be a policeman. The next day they want to be a nurse. Then the next day they want to, you know what I'm saying? That's what they do. It's just like something's wrong. And we've gone off the deep end, and we don't know, we don't even give permission for men to be men. And I'm looking at a bunch of warriors in the room, and I'm trying to tell you, you're designed to be a warrior. You're designed to go out there and destroy the works of the enemy. That's what he made you for. He called you to be a son because you're a son. Okay? 
Now, this is where it switches. You're also designed to be part of the church. And you're designed to be a mother. This is especially for all the guys. See, there's five cultures in the apostolic that we see pointed out where, and we call them the, um, help me out, fivefold ministry. The apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, the pastor, right? Those are the five. Now, in one other place, he, he actually mentions the first three, and he says, first the apostle, then the prophet, then the teacher. But there's five cultures. Do you know why he starts with the apostle? This is something God's showing me. As a culture, the apostolic says you're sent. Everything is around you are being equipped to go. You're being sent. I'm sent. You're sent. We are sent. Right? That's the apostolic viewpoint. Then it's the prophet. The prophetic viewpoint has to exist in the church. If it doesn't, it will go sideways. It will go sideways. The teacher needs to have a prophetic viewpoint, or else you know what he'll end up doing? He'll, he'll, he'll end up teaching the spiritual as from the natural viewpoint. He will teach everything around the spiritual realm as natural because he won't be able to see it. The pastor needs the prophetic viewpoint. Why? Because the pastor is the, it's the nurturing part. It's the, let me help you grow. Let me help you become who God's designed you to be. You're designed to be able to hear from heaven. You're designed to be able to see. You're designed to be able to experience what's going on in the heavenly realm and bring it at that into your life. You're designed to operate in power. You're designed to operate in anointing. You're designed for all of these things. The prophetic has to be in the pastoral. The prophetic has to be in the evangelist. Because like the uh, uh, apostle is like, you're sent, right? The evangelist says, let's go. And I've seen people operate in the evangelistic, right? And if they don't, aren't connected to what heaven is doing, what heaven is saying, they will do it in a way that builds religion. You can go cross over all of, all of them. The pastoral, see, I say pastor, just so, if you don't know, like they call me pastor, like we use pastor as a positional title, okay? I'm talking about a gifting of pastor. So n- titles, for, forget that. The pastor and the evangelist need to be buddies. If an evangelist is operating without pastors, they are doing a disservice to people. Right? If pastors are trying to operate without evangelists, you ain't got no babies. You know what sh- should have happened if we were healthy? The first question I asked should have been half the people in this room. That would be healthy. You remember the first question? Who's been here for less than six months and serving God? Just let that sink in for a second. Do you know what 
the biggest challenge into the future for the Western world is? It's not climate change. It ain't that. It ain't politics. It ain't that. It's lack of having babies. Japan is much more homogeneous as a country because it's separated on islands, right? The other countries have people moving in from other countries, right? So you don't see it quite the same way. But if you, when you isolate Japan and you look at them, their birth rate will not keep up with them. The country will collapse because they're not having kids. You know why they're not having kids? Same way what my, my, a lot of Americans aren't having kids. They're very inconvenient. Their work. I'd rather work. I'd rather do this. I'd like to do things that fulfill me. All these other things are so amazing to do. They make me feel better. You know, we're not going to get married. Why? I'm a guy. Why would I get married? I can have everything I need. Keeping it G. Right? I'm a woman. Why would I? Why, you know, I don't need to do that. And we, 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 we think it's normal because everybody's doing it. It's become normal because, like, it's normal. But when God's like, I didn't design it that way. Like, cultures don't survive that. No culture has survived that. Every major culture that went down the road we're going down, why? Because you've got to have babies. You've got to have family. That is the purpose. It doesn't work without it. As much as you get fulfilled doing it. You're going to go through your entire career, and you're going to be old, and you're going to be lonely. You're designed to have kids. You know what? The greatest joy I experience in this house, in this house, isn't this. is isn't preaching. It's when I get with the ones that I poured into and I helped grow up and I see what God's doing in their life. That's where I get joy from. Spiritual kids. When I'm at home with my natural family, and we're all sitting around together, there's just, ah. When they grow up, it gets much more like that, just so you know. <laughs> when they're young, it's like chaos all the time. You get them all, they're like, ah, you know. There's a time, though, they grow up, and you're like, and then it's grandbaby time, and you just you sit with them, and it's just different. It's like, oh, this is something I've poured into, and it's produced this fruit, and it's like, oh. It works like that in the spiritual also. That's what we're designed for. I'm going to go back. Let me read Luke 4 and 8. Up there, I think you've got to pull the words up behind it to be able to see it. It says this, Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So I'm going back to the friend thing. We've made God our friend. And he's treating us like a friend. Jesus is like, hey, I'm not going to call you servant, I'll call you friend. 
But just like in my relationship with Dwayne, just because he calls me friend doesn't mean it is even smart for me to treat him that way all the time. Jesus was like, you need to serve God. And we, 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 you know why we started focusing on the serve, the, uh, away from serve God and more on the friend of God? Because we come from a background, my background, a lot of people's backgrounds that have been in church and grew up in church has been serve God is synonymous with you need to keep working. Work, 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 work for God. And so we had to interject the idea that God is, he's also your friend. Like, we don't work for God, we partner with him. Right? I need to recognize he's calling me friend, right? But at the same time, it is healthy for me to recognize I am a steward. And I'm a servant to him. And I'm serving his desires. What he says is important. Because otherwise, if I'm not, I'm serving mine. And therein lies the problem. If I will serve him, if I will be like, God, whatever you want, whatever you say, whatever you're going, whatever that is, I am with you because you're God. You will get everything he's promising you. But we're afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid to say yes. Or we're busy. And it's like, I, like, hey, I want to say yes, but, it, but you know, this stuff keeps coming up. It keeps coming up. Or, or we don't agree that that's really us. Because he's like, hey, get on this train. We're going to go and, and do this. And, but that's not me. And, and, and we don't get on the train. We don't, we don't say yes to him and let him take us where he wants us to go because there's something in us that isn't in agreement with him, but we've, we've all agreed that's okay. And I'm telling you, it's not okay. And it's not okay for us to keep doing that. It, like, so there's two layers here. One, like I, like I need to agree. I need to walk out of Sunday. I, me, me. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I need to walk out of Sunday and Monday morning still be like, it's not okay for me to say no to you, God, for anything. Right? So that's one level he's talking about. The other level is, it is not okay for me to do a disservice for you by saying it's, not, it's okay. Right? Because why? Because I am responsible not just for myself. I'm also responsible, though, for those that are walking with me because I create culture by what I choose. And that is a great responsibility. See, that's a responsibility for everybody in this room. If you don't think you have responsibility there, you do. Just by omission, just by being like, I'm not paying attention to it, you've already agreed on a culture that's going to eat our lunch. See, so I'm not just saying no for me. There is a byproduct of it that indirectly I am saying no that makes it easier for everybody else to say no around me. That's a weird concept to grasp, but it's true. They're like, I'm so glad you're preaching, Sean. I think, honestly, I, I, I was weeping to bring this to you. As I know this is heavy. But we are being called. You are amazing. There's an anointing on you. You keep running from them like crazy. 
And I told God, I'll, I'll say anything you tell me to say. I'll do anything you tell me while I'm over. And I'm telling you, there's an anointing on you, and you keep running from it. And if you will stop running and let him catch up to you, it's going to blow your mind. He's had his eye on you for a long time. Hope that was good. <laughs> I kept on looking over here, and I'm going, don't do this to me. And I'm like, eh, he's going to say something. He's like, I don't know her that well. You know, I was like, oh. and so like, and the reason why I'm giving you insight into what I'm going through is like, I don't have this down. Like, I, you know, I'm not a professional prophet. You know, I don't haven't done this, been doing this so long that I know what to do. But I can tell you what, I like when we close this out, I'm going to speak things over this house because he told me to. And I ain't never done nothing like this before. But I'm trying to model. This is you. Every single one of us are designed to operate in a place where we have got a heart that says, I'm sent. You're sent. We are sent together. You know where you're sent to? You're sent into your house. You're sent to your family. You're sent to your kids. You're sent to the one you love. You're sent to the whole grocery store. You're sent to the work. You're sent everywhere you go just in your everyday life when you are driving because there are times you're going to be driving. He's sending you, and the heart, the heart that says, okay, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? I am with you. Whatever you want to do, I am there. Why? Because inside of me is the prophet. Inside of me is the evangelist. Inside of me is a teacher. Inside of me is a pastor. And you might have one gift that just pronounces itself above the other, but you have better submit yourself and realize that there is more than that one single gift in operating in you. People need you to be more than just the evangelist, more than just a pastor, more than just a teacher. People need you to be you, and you have Jesus inside of you, and it's amazing when he shows up. I heard one lady speaking just a couple days ago, right? This lady's like a, she was like a supermodel-ish, clubbing, well, I mean, she's, she's gorgeous, Right? Completely atypical of anybody you would see preaching. Completely atypical. Right? Uh, very uh, uh, creative in nature. I mean, just, you know, you'd be like, I've never seen that before. That is crazy amazing. I love that. And she made this statement, right? I mean, God just using her like crazy. Took, pulled her out of the club world, anointed her. She's operating in ways to just blow your mind. Right? She prayed for me. That's one of the reasons why you're getting this. I'm sorry. She, she prayed over me boldness, and then she started talking about things that, God, that, that people have spoken over my life, and I, I knew exactly when. It took me back to when I was a kid. I don't remember what they said, but I know what happened to me. And those things were still affecting me up until a couple of days ago. You know what she did? She broke the works of the enemy. You're designed to do the same thing. I'm designed to do the same thing. When we agree with what's true about us, we'll start stepping into this. But we have got to stop believing what the enemy says. So she made this one little statement I thought was great. She's like, Jesus is waiting to get out. He's like, let me out, let me out. He's inside of you trying to get out. And we're like, oh God. And Jesus is like, please let me out. People want to see me. 
I laughed the same way. I thought, that's, a, that's exactly what it's like. If you will go, with, like, when you get on that train and you go with him, he's going to create everything in you that needs. And then when he says, hey, stop here, go over here, he's, gonna, yeah, he's just waiting the opportunity to. And Jesus shows up, does amazing stuff, and you get to be like, ooh, that was cool. We're going to have testimonies. Hopefully, we're going to have some testimonies we're going to be able to play next week. There's a culture change we have to go after in this house. We cannot accept anything less. Go ahead and give me some music. Because they have my notes. They don't know when I'm closing. There's like nothing on the paper. God, have your way. Every voice that's spoken to you, things that are not true about who you are, I break that right now. I break that off of you. Every lie that's told you you're not enough, every lie that said you're going to make a mess of things, that you're not going to be successful, that you have no abilities, that you don't know how to speak, that you don't know how to think, that you don't know how to add and subtract, that you don't know, I break that off of you right now. I release inside of you the warrior. I release over this house the warrior. I give you permission to fight, to fight for yourself, to fight for your family, to destroy the works of the enemy, to join in with what God's already doing in you. To stand up and to not take it anymore. You are a warrior, whether you want to agree with it or not. You've always been designed that way. He's going to continue to put, keep going that way. And if you want to get in the car and you want to keep driving around the mountain, he will let you. But I want you to know he's asking you to get on the train with him. And whenever you get ready to stop, he will take you there. He will take you to joy. He will take you to power. He will take you to anointing. He will take you to peace. He will take you to an overflow of love. He will take you to everything you need. Because that's who he is. He's been a friend to you all along. But he's asking you to serve him. I want you to hear what Jesus said. Jesus said this in John 12. He said, whoever serves me must follow me. Wherever I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. The honor is in the serving. The glory is in the serving. The power is in the serving. There are people in this house that God wants you to serve in the house so you can serve them. Because there are gifts that are in you that you need to learn how to develop where you serve people. You serve them in helping develop them as a, that, that little pastor in you comes out. That little teacher in you says, hey, walk with me. You can do this. Hey, this is what God's showing me. Let me show you. 
There's people outside of the house. God wants you to serve because that's who he is. I didn't come to be served. I've come to serve. And when we choose to serve him, he's going to take us on a journey where we can serve other people and it's not going to destroy us. It's not going to just, oh, empty us out and we're just so ragged people are driving me crazy. I don't know how to give this away. The reason why that's happening to us is because we're not stepping into us by following him. You're designed to follow him. You can follow him. There's nothing keeping you from it but what you believe that the enemy said. And so all fear, go. All fear, go. All fear, go. You have no authority over me. You have no authority over me. He has no authority over you. You can say no to that fear anytime. Inside of you is a courageous, courageous son. Just like David, you're made to slay the lion the bear, and he'll get ready. And when the giant comes, you're going to be like, who is this giant that keeps flapping his mouth? Is somebody not going to get up and quiet him? Go ahead and stand up.